So what's it like being a good Negro? Y'all know, the one they think all the blacks live vicariously through the maids or minority. You know, the one who better speak no evil, not because you know better, not because you play congressional musical chairs with very few seats at the table, not because you are few in numbers, not because you carry all the hopes and aspirations of an oppressed people, but because you present the most pivotal question that every soul in America contemplates to themselves each night before they sleep. Does Kamala Harris wrap her hair at night? You think Trevor Noah ever seen snow on the bluff? My nigga, is that Jesse Williams or Justin Timberlake? See, these are the uncomfortable thoughts that plagues the mind of every person in this room, but you got to understand. Every racial draft takes place in a black woman's womb, and black men, I mean, we get the first dibs every time. And all we got to do is show up and say, in the spirit of Bun B, Big Boy, Three Stacks, and the late great Pimp C, my sister, I choose you. But there are times we don't even show up to the draft and someone else sneaks in VIP, shooting the club up, making a new child of miscegenation. So growing up, you're not really sure if the blacks or whites really want to play with you. By the way, can Sean King say nigga? My bad, such a quadroon of a question. But I mean, ain't being black like being an abused woman trying to change some ain't shit nigga into a post-racial melting pot where Keegan-Michael Key can show you some happy slaves in the flick. Going overboard with Sambo jokes, smiling with teeth as big as Steve Harvey's. Well, tell Key, though I never seen a happy slave, I did see Get Out. Ain't it crazy how... White folks be going overboard with they tea parties. But it's cool, you one of them ones that like to hold his pinky when he be sipping, but just remember, holding your fist is something different. Like, okay, you could be light-skinned, the most criticized and eclectic, or you could be dark-skinned, the most desired and disrespected. I mean, don't you get it? Rather be in the field fighting for your life with no protection or rather be in masses bed against your will giving it up with no protection i mean you know the game and how it goes we the happy slaves trying to get chose i mean they say freedom ain't free so nigga get chose build your confidence Build your mind, build your pride, because colorism is a hoe on the go, and self-hate is a slave ship on 24, so how you pimp this ride? Well, you rebel with the spirit of Amistad, Nat Turner, and Papa Doc. You kill the captain, you kill the crew, because they don't mean nothing black to me. Then reverse course and set sail back home, because that's how I should be, but not before we take a pit stop and throw Candace Owens overboard. Now that's some wet-ass pussy. All right, that was a piece. You're listening to Spoken Soul Sessions. You ready, my man? With Poetic Black. Ain't nothing holding me back but me, and who's holding you but you? Check this out, man. Spoken Soul Sessions. Oh, my God. This is Spoken Soul Sessions with Poetic Black. 
ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Bold stances and looted dances got us here. You are listening to Spoken Soul Sessions with Poetic Black. We'll start from scratch, exploring new possibilities. like this is definitely an artist that i want to get on the show and i want to i want to let you guys in on his spoken word now this brother right here is phenomenal he goes by the name spoke in words his friends call him spoke no publications no certifications no degrees just a knack for speaking to the soul Spoke is a raw slam poet who insists on pushing boundaries while being versatile and topical writer. A local poet out of Nashville, Tennessee, Spoke gained momentum after winning the Vox Poetry Slam in 2017. Since then, he has featured in multiple Nashville-based shows such as The Vanguard, Poetry in Motion Live, Vanderbilt University, The City Winery, Soulful Poetry Cafe and the Loft of Ella Jeans. Last but not least, Spoke is a brand ambassador of a poetry corp called Po Boys and Poets Nashville. Po Boys maintains a monthly poetry showcase consisting of live music, ciphers, and an open mic along with featured acts. Now, ladies and gentlemen, without no further ado, I want to welcome to the Spoken Soul Studio. Let's give a warm, warm welcome to my brother and your brother, Mr. Spoke in Words. Oh, hey. What's good, my brother? What's good, man? We in the building. We in the building. Oh, I'm feeling well. I'm feeling well. Hey. Damn, that was all that was. It was a great intro, man. I love how you did that. Most, <laughs> most definitely, brother, man. You deserve it, man. Now you, I mean, you're reminiscent. Like I get, I get a lot of poets on the show. I interview a lot of a lot of poets, man. And it's always in that bunch. You know, there's always those poets that really, really, really stand out. You know, I try to get the dopest artists I can find and, and bring them on the show. 
But in doing that, I always come across, you know, those very few poets that really stand out. And my brother, man, you you stand out. Like your style, man. It's, it's, we gonna get into that, man. But it's definitely your style. Now, I gotta start this show off with asking you the number one question that I ask every guest when they come on the um, podcast. I want to ask you, Mister Spoke in words, or can I just call you Spoke? Yeah, call me Spoke, man. Spoke, my friends, call me Spoke. Spoke, my brother, man. Tell us why poetry, man. Why? Why spoken word, man? Why, why did you decide to use this as your medium? Why did you use this art form, you know, to convey your message to the world? Tell the people, my brother. Uh, well, I, I guess I have to say, you know, you say why poetry. I'm more like, <laughs> poetry, why me? Mm. You know? Like, there, I, was, I had a show recently we uh, featured, I think one day, last Thursday, yeah, last Thursday we had open mic, and I was the host, and I remember going up there and talking about how great it is to see someone read out of their, like, book, and what that means, because it's like, poet, I don't, I don't think a, a poet, or poetry, or being a spoken word artist is like a job, or, or a title, and you know, it's uh, I said it's a condition. You know, so it's like a like a self-diagnosed condition. You know, and it is your job to uh, figure out how to bend it to your will and use it to speak life into those around you and pour into them so they can pour back in you. So it's more like a condition. Oh, we having a little bit of technical difficulties. Let my brother get back on. Um, so, so basically, it's it's more of like a condition than a job. Self-diagnosed, and uh, yeah, you use the poor into others. Uh, but just yeah, it's 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 a great thing to have. Great skill to have. Dude. Mm. Definitely, man. Cause like you really stand out, man. I like I like your cadence, and I like that you're very witty. You know what I'm saying? It's like you listening to your poetry. You know you don't you don't slow down for the audience. You got to keep up, and I like that type of poetry. Keep me on my toes. Keep me thinking. You know, and um, like you're dope, bro. You're dope. So how long have you been doing poetry? Um, I mean, I've been writing forever, you know, um, I'd say I'd probably start legitimately writing probably, I want to say fifth grade, um, went on to middle school, went through a long hiatus, probably from like seventh grade. And I didn't really go back to writing until like junior year high school. Um, but that's just writing. I mean, if I'm thinking about like when I start getting the balls to go on stage like performing man that would that would that would come much later mm. that'd probably come until uh, man 2016 i want to say so 
Um, yeah, long time. Pretty much my my whole modern lifetime. Mm. Dope, man. It's like wow, man. Cause like, like I know that you said that you're a slam poet. You know, mm. I want to know how did you get into the slam? You know, because we know you, it's, it's definitely a different. You know, what's crazy is like I've only been in like uh, I want to say two two official slams. I want to say um, first one was the Vox Poetry Slam at Antioch, and uh, that one was with was man, that was was dope as hell. It was that's something that really made it clear that I could that I had something I could use. Mm. You know. Um, because how that went on, like I had to do the qualifying rounds and like, I felt like I did awful, man. I, I got one of the lowest scores, but I made it, I like, I barely made the last bottom spot, you know, I was having a real tough time around that time. And then like, that was probably in a February. And I believe this, the actual day of the slam was April. And so when I went into the slam, I ended up winning, and like definitely was shocked. Wow! Shocked. I like how many rounds was the slam? The slam, I believe, was uh, three rounds. I said it was three rounds. I think we had about nine poets. Wow! Um, and then we had five judges. I want to say, yeah. Was it was it a theme um slam or was it just like you just bring whatever you got? Uh, from what I from what I remember, it was Dean Slam because they were they had they were uh, definitely uh, saying that on the day of the Slam when they were doing the introduction, like I believe he said it was the first or one of the only Dean Slams officially recognized. Um, I remember we had like a sacrificial poet, my man Frizzy and my man Mo Mo Christo, who uh, yeah, they were the ones who threw that Slam. Wow, dope man. Cause I seen some work that you got on YouTube, man. I'm like, yo, this dude right here is he's fire, man. Like your approach to the to the spoken word, you take a, a teaching approach. It's almost like you're mm-hmm. teaching. It's almost like you're teaching while you're spitting. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. very entertaining, very, you know, it's very informative, but it's entertaining enough to grasp the audience attention so they can ride along with you. You know what I mean? And um, you don't get that from many poets. You know, it's, it's just like if you have it, you have it. If you don't, you don't. But you're definitely, you know what I'm saying, a slam poet. Like hearing you spit, even when I heard you spit, you know, on like on the show on Instagram, I was like, yeah, this guy can slam. He can slam because you got the tools that it takes to win slams. Very charismatic. You know what I mean? Very witty. And uh, you have a command over your cadence, which is dope. You know what I mean? So I wanted to ask you, man, because you're part of a group. You're part of a group, and I've heard about this group. Actually, I've heard about about the group before I even actually, you know, saw you perform. You know, I heard about the group on on Instagram. I want you to tell us about Poe Boys and Poets, man. How did this get started, man? And you know what I'm saying? Like, break it down to us, man. What do it consist of? Who does it consist of? And uh, break it down for the people. Oh, well, um, so when I mentioned uh, the two men, um, Frizzy and Mo, when it came to the Vox Poetry Slam, they were they were running a show, a monthly open mic show called Po Boys and Poets, which was transferred from Knoxville, Tennessee. 
uh, gentleman who started it there, he had went to uh, Busboys and Poets, and he was just, you know, he was floored. That's what he, what, what he, uh, what's reported, he said. And so he uh, started doing Poboys and Poets uh, in Knoxville, I think because he just loved the Poboy sandwich. <laughs> but, um, yeah, and uh, I guess he got in contact with my man Mo. And this was Mo. Mo moved here from Kansas, of all places. He moves here from Kansas, I want to say around 2015 or whatever. Uh, met this individual named Black Atkins. That, that's the guy that started it. That's the name of the guy. Um, and then he kind of took it, tried it out, met my man uh, Frizzy, who does a poet's playground. Uh, and they kind of really brought it together. And then my man TJ, who is actually Mo's cousin, he also uh, really pushed it, uh, really pushed it. And apparently uh, worked with me right now as one of the ones kind of heading uh, currently, but starting, uh, that probably started 2016. They, uh, yeah, early, I think sometime early 2016. Uh, I found out about it the end of 2017, and I kind of been rocking with it since then. Mm. Yeah, it's a dope, it's a dope group. So, what y'all do? Y'all perform all over the country, or, or is it y'all really just based in Nashville? Well, uh, we've We've, we've moved around a little bit, but we're definitely planning on getting more active pretty soon. But we've mostly been based in Nashville. We kind of we're looking at it as like, you know, making it a, a good, strong um, frontier that can be built here that will serve to help push something that uh, a lot of people here are calling the Nashville Renaissance. You know, and it's like especially in the poetry community, how we're really starting to getting more of our names recognized, our, our platforms. Um, just uh, earlier this year, we had, let's see, one, two, one, six, three, uh, three, three different uh, women from Tennessee, uh, I believe all from Nashville or in the Nashville-based area who uh, finished top 20 in the Women of the World Poetry Center. Yeah, or the the most recent one. Um, That's uh, Bria Bria, uh, Wolf, uh, and a woman named Mama. Oh, and then Jam Spoken. Yeah, so it's actually four. That's crazy, because I was just about to ask you about Jam, because I had Mm -hmm. Jam on the show before I interviewed her, and definitely... One of those type of poets that I explained to you earlier mm-hmm. that stand out, and she definitely stood out to me, and that's why I really sought out to get her on the show. Matter of fact, she's been on the show twice already. Word. And, um, and yo, powerful poet. You know what I mean? I yo, like it's crazy because Jam was at our last show, our last po boy show last week, and she came through and she just destroyed it. We do. It's funny that it's called Po Boys and Poets, but now we do our shows out uh, at a vegan race restaurant, which is dope. Like it's right, and it's connected to the Nashville Library, which is even better, you know, just for traffic and stuff like that. Mm. Um, but yeah, we do we do these shows now twice a month, uh, every second and fourth Thursday. 
Um, we do it at a place called Copper Branch, a tent to the Nashville Public Library. And it's really dope. Yeah. And we had Jam come through last week. She did the open mic. Um, it was it was dope. Yeah, man. Nashville is popping on the poetry scene, man. Yeah. Like you guys, man, y'all got a certain type of style. Y'all got a certain type of passion with y'all words, man. And it, it definitely, you know, it's you can see it. You can hear it. Like when I interviewed Jam, she stood out. She really stood out to me as you stood out to me when I heard you spit. And yeah. y'all both being from Nashville, you know what I'm saying? I gotta I gotta associate it with some Nashville shit. You know what I'm saying? Like Nashville, I don't know if it's the hot sauce out there, or whatever, man. Man, that's the show. It's how we season that chicken. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, we gotta season that chicken, man. But definitely, man, y'all on to something, man. And I definitely appreciate what y'all doing out there. But I gotta get my audience to get acclimated to what you do, man. Cause you know, they heard a little snippet of you in the in the beginning. You know, the, the beginning of the uh and, and matter of fact, because we didn't even mention that, that piece you spit in the beginning of the show, that clip that I played, mm-hmm. now that piece right there, man, because you spit three pieces on that set. And I was like, I listened to the first piece, and I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna use this piece right here. Then I listened to the second piece. I was like, nah, 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 nah. I'm going to use this piece. <laughs> and then I listened to the third piece and I was like, damn, man. I was like, I don't know which one to use. So I went to the, I went the middle course. Now, that joint right there, man, I got a piece similar. Well, not, well pretty much similar to what you're talking about, man. Mm. And you basically going at the coons, man. And I was like, yo, I can appreciate that poem, that, that the way you ended it, with that line, because I, I talked to my brother about Candace Owens. We got two total different opinions about Candace Owens. And I'll be like, yo, man, she's not good for the people, man. So anyway, we be, we be arguing and debating about it. But you said that last line, man, about Candace Owens. I was like, my brother gets it, man. This is it right here, man. That piece is fire, man. When I hear that piece, that was the actual line that said, nah, I got to go with this middle piece. <laughs> Because I really agree with this sentiment exactly, man. Exactly. But dope piece, man, is a it was a piece that definitely make you aware. Living in this society right here is unfortunate that us as black people, you find us trying to fit in, trying to integrate so much so that we lose that sense of who we are. You know? And it and it's crazy, man. I think that poem speak to that, man. So kudos for you for that piece man but definitely i want the people to hear you spit live you know so they can they can get a, a taste of what i heard you know what i mean so what i'm gonna do is i'm gonna set the stage up for you as a matter of fact that's what i'm gonna do give you a little time get you prepared i'm gonna play a word from one of our sponsors and then we'll be right back i'll set the stage for you and we'll go right in hello This is William S. Peters Sr., a.k.a. Just Bill from Interchild Press International. First, I must say we at Interchild Press are proud to support my brother, Daniel Green, a.k.a. Poetic Black, and his prolific, embracing, and informative program, Spoken Soul Sessions. As a publisher and now sponsor of the work Poetic Black does, we at Interchild Press International offer to you his listeners and all spoken word artists, writers, and poets, a 10% discount on all of our publishing packages and services. 
Please mention code Spoken Soul to take advantage of this offer while it lasts. You can contact us at InTouch at InnerChildPress.com. And we hope to see your words in print very soon. We are Inner Child Press International, building bridges of cultural understanding. That's www.innerchildpress.com. Thank you. Coming to the stage, spit his first piece. Let's give a warm, warm welcome to my brother, your brother, Spoke. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. You know, um, you know, I was thinking, I was thinking, Mr. I, I was thinking Poet in Black, like, you know, it's like nowadays, nowadays, it's like the whole world just found out black people even existed. I mean, it's like, damn, uh, woolly hair, feet of bronze, how you miss it? I mean, that's cool, though. You know, I don't see color either. Everything's just black and white. I'm sure you're familiar with the two-party system. Like, could you even imagine the victors versus the victims? Like, you could have Congress and all your damn presidents. Your House of Representatives couldn't even see my trap house residents. I guess you thought a Juneteenth bonus on a nigga paycheck would make me hate less, but I can never hate you like you hated me. Face it. You can hide your jokes. You can hide your gags. You can hide your statues and both your flags. I ain't never met a ghost that wasn't see-through. It's crazy. I used to look in the mirror hoping I'd see you. Like, yo, you hate black people? Yeah, I hate me too. They men be lying like these women, and I hate me too. I never really seen my father, so of course I hate me too. But my Stockholm syndrome always gets me through. You know, it's exactly why I register to vote like you be telling me to. See, I'm just hoping that the ink from a white man's pen is as black as the blood that was used to write the lyrics of the national anthem. Because if not, I'm back on some other shit. Like, I know I got my snap card, but it still fucked the government. And I ain't just some brother who only knows how to pop shit. I mean, I taught you how to build civilization, but you were only concerned with your guns and butter. So you put me in a box and tease me with bail while I learned to lose freedom in a fickle shell where it's cold inside this lifeless icicle cell where I become a cold-blooded killer like a sickle cell. See how you brought me into jail like you brought me on a ship. Couldn't break out my shell, so you stuck me in a clip. Damn, myself hate had me aiming at that nip. They say that every nation has a flag but the coon. So Garvey made one that could be seen from the moon. Nah, it's more than just a pun. Because if every nigga is a star, then that's somebody's son. Poe boys. <laughs> Thank you. Hey, now I'm loving the live audience. Oh my goodness, man! Everybody got a flag except the coon. Oh my goodness, man! <laughs> Yo, man! Yo, that piece is fire, man! Tell us a little bit about that piece. What inspired that piece? <laughs> um. Wow. Um. So that piece, that piece is actually. Uh, I always struggled with like the name I wanted to associate with this piece. I went through a lot of different uh, ideas, but I wanted to kind of, I guess I kind of settled on something called the New Black. Mm. Uh, I don't know. It just felt like it fit well because it was like, it was like, you know, we were considered so, I want to say in 2020, 
it, it, we, it's just like, like I said, we everybody discovered us, and like we we were somehow became hot again, you know, with uh, all the attention that was even more brought to a uh, George Floyd situation and then uh, Breonna Taylor, which uh, that happened uh, just like up north from, you know, where we are here. And uh, I know some, I know some uh, poets out there uh, in Louisville who were just, you know, man, that they were, they were just distraught. And so, um, you know, and it was just like, at that point, Everybody was like, oh, God, man, did you see what these niggas is going through? Mm. You know? Yeah, I can, I can dig it, man, because that, at that time, when that joint happened to um, George Floyd, it was like this was the first piece of evidence, and we've seen it before. We've seen it in piecemeal. We haven't never seen it, like, so close up in your face from from start to finish you know when they when they when they when, you, when videos come out about police brutality and you know cops doing some fucked up shit you know they always show you partial videos they always show you the edited version but with this it was like the world got a chance to see from start to finish how there was no regard for this man's life and it was obvious to the world that it was because he was black and um, that was a hard time, man. So I could imagine, you know, the amount of poetry that was being written to, to, to the scene that was going on back then, man. But very powerful piece, man. I will say, I will say, uh, and forgive me for interrupting, but uh, uh, I will say, like, in moments like those, like those, like, that can actually have an even, like, negative effect on poets just, like, as an artist because it's mm. just so... It's so much, and it's just like, man, I, I, it's hard for me to focus, you know. Sometimes you're just so filled up. And I want to say, honestly, at least for me, and I've talked to some poets, you know, at least in my general area. Like, we've, we've written some beautiful pieces in 2020, but it was definitely not as much if you want to compare it to the year before, which is crazy. Because you, you're at home more, but it's like, you, it's like almost you got you, you got to take more time to cope with what's going on, and, and it takes longer and it's to organize your thoughts. Because a lot of times you just feel different. You feel a lot of different things, so you write a lot of different random joints. When, you know, some might not be coherent. Some maybe some you know, or it's just you're just saying you know I'm I'm fucking pissed. That's all it is. It's just that over. You know, and. Uh, but I definitely wrote that one in, and I got a couple that I really, uh, I really cherished. Um, but I'll definitely say 2020 was was a year that really, you know, twisted everything on its on its axis. You know, yeah, definitely, man. That jump was crazy. Like so much, so many things happened. You know, as a domino effect in regards to COVID and all that. So it was like, wow. Like it's like it was like. To be honest with you, because I was work, I'm a chef by trade, so I'm, I'm working. I'm working, and uh, I got a friend of mine that work at the restaurant with me. So we come home every night. You know, we ride the train together, come back home, and we have conversations. So he was telling me, like, no lie, like maybe three months, three months before this joint went down, he was telling me. Mm-hmm. 
He was like, yo, black, man, I'm telling you, man, something about to go down with China. I'm like, what are you talking about, man? He was like, yo, something is going down with China. People are dropping dead in China. And I was like, yeah. what are you talking about? And he was like, yo, I'm telling you, he's going to come to the U.S. And he was like one of them conspiracy theorists, you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, all right, bro. But sure enough, you know what I mean? When that shit, when it, when it, when they hit the fan and they closed all the restaurants, it was like, yo, this is real deal right there. This ain't no joke. So it was like, I know for people, everybody was getting mixed feelings, man. Cause at that time it sparked a whole lot of, you know, online presence with the poetry. That, that was one thing that I that I found very refreshing during the pandemic was that a lot of open virtual mics got opened up. And people yeah. were using it. They was using it as a as a medium or as a therapy to like cope through all this this bullshit. Like you can't go outside or you're scared to go outside. You gotta wear a mask now. Like, whoa, what's this? Before we used to look at people that wore masks and be like, they looking at them weary. Like, yo, why you wearing a mask for? But now mm-hmm. when you look at the climate, when you walk outside, if you're not wearing a mask, people gonna look at you crazy. You dig what I'm saying? Yeah. You see how that dynamic you feel naked? Yeah. How you feel naked not wearing a mask? Like that, it, it felt like that. Yes. You know what I mean? Like I'll, I'll go all the way back upstairs. I walk out the door. I ain't got my, oh, I forgot my mask. I got to go back up. <laughs> this, 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 wasn't a, this wasn't a reality three, four years ago. It was like, Bro. oh, man, now, you know, we living in a world now where it's, it's an essential, it's, it's a necessity that you got to have a mask. So you see so much has happened since the pandemic good and bad you know what i'm saying a lot of things you know people are more aware now people are more conscious so it's like it's a give and take man but that piece right there my brother profound piece man i applaud you man for that time. Time, man. Sure. Right, Thank so, you. Thank i want to ask you man i want i really want to ask you this because i find your your work intriguing like where where do you where do you draw your inspiration from like, do it just, do you just like, oh, I'm just sitting here watching TV and I think I'd write a poem and and just start writing? Or do you have to be inspired in some regard to prompt you to get that pen? Because, you know, you got some people who are just fluid writers. They can just pick up, you know what I'm saying, get a topic and just write on it. And some people like myself, I'm more of a, you know, I need to be inspired. Like I can do a theme topic, like I can write about a topic, but I like to be inspired by something. And then I'll, you know, it, it produced the best work for me. So let me let me ask you, where do you draw your inspiration from? Being that you're such an intricate poet, man, very witty poet. Well, um, I'm going to say... I've always been a relatively silent person, especially growing up. You know, the first seven, eight years of my life, I was just raised by my mother. And, like, I feel like um, I developed, like, I developed or I didn't really develop as a communicator that well, Um, you know, to learn how to talk to other people. Um, and, but before then I would just, uh, write to myself. Um, and you know, I'd never even want to share it at all. Um, I want to say I started, uh, started really, 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 really getting into writing when I went into, like I said, like fifth grade, um, 
because uh, <laughs> I, I, I really uh, I really like to write letters to women, to like to girls, the girls that I like, you know, on some lovey shit, right? Because I had a boss to talk to them. Um, and, uh, but I want to say, um, man, my main inspiration, uh, I want to say is when I really started listening, I listened to, uh, Unplugged, uh, Lauren Hill's Unplugged. Wow. Uh, in 2002, or 2002, um, and how she really, like, you know, I'm I'm young. I was 10 years old when that came out. But I was probably like 13, I want to say, when I actually listened to it, like for real, for real. And I was definitely blown away. Like how hearing her voice mesh with that guitar and listening to how much she went through and how she had to take time to herself and what she came out with um, man, I, I remember uh, she's got a song on there called Freedom Time, you know, and how ultimately you're responsible for your own freedom. And just the words that she was saying, there's a war in the mind of a territory for the dominion who will dominate the opinions, schisms, and isms. Like, listening to her say shit like that. And, uh, you know, you being able to feel it. And listening to her, you know, how she sings, um, I think uh, she sings very gracefully. Uh, and she'll always be doing that over a fire-ass rhythm and shit. So that really wanted me to go out and just do speaking, you know, and learn how to speak my words. Um, and then, you know, I want to say that's something that really got me. I think the uh, what really did it for, with uh, Lauren Hill is when I heard the sweetest thing. Like, mm. that just got me immediately. Yeah, man. So that, I, I, I do I do give credit to her, but uh, influences mostly uh, her, for sure, uh, uh, Lauren Hill. Um, I really, really, really fuck with uh, Lupe Fiasco. Oh, man. I feel like he's, I feel like he's an amazing writer. Yes. Um, I love... I love James Baldwin. I love James Baldwin. He's got a book called The Fire Next Time. And it's amazing uh, just hearing about him and his life. Um, and just how he speaks in general. It's definitely, uh, it's, a di- it's, a, it's kind of difficult, but it's also like, it's very poetic how he how he speaks, honestly. Yes, um, he's brilliant. And brilliant, I relate to him. Brilliant, man. James Baldwin was a brilliant man, and uh, I think I think a lot of his work go unnoticed with black people, you know. But uh, if you sit down and read his work, or you just listen to some of the interviews that he did, and a lot of his points, it was like, wow, this man is brilliant, man. He thought about he he looked he approached race from a whole different perspective. You know what I'm saying? Because a lot of times when you're dealing with racism. The, the 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 victims of racism, you know, would approach a situation in a very angry, in a very, you know, you know what I'm saying, upset, you're angry, you, you've been violated, and you're very aggressive. You know, James Baldwin, you know, he channeled that aggression and he he went through the logic the logic route, 
you know, explaining why this racism shit is some bullshit. You know what I'm saying? But he did it and he articulated himself so eloquently. You know, like I be sitting down listening to his uh his speeches, you know, mm-hmm. because he had a lot of like differences of opinion with Malcolm, you know, with Martin. Right. They they would have their little discourses, man. But I always thought James Baldwin was just so brilliant, man. Brilliant man. But it's yeah. crazy that you you mentioned your influences, man, because a lot of your influences, man, is right along the lines with me. Even the way I even got into spoken word, I really never let anybody hear my work. I would write, seclu- I would be secluded with write, writing, but I would allow, you know, certain people, select few people to hear my work. And um, a friend of mine, he had inspired me. He said, yo, I think you should, you should try out with this spoken word thing and, and try to perform. And then I wrote... I wrote my first spoken word piece and it was it was it was a rap after that. But I'm listening to your inspirations, man. Lupe, another individual who I feel, you know, I mean, is very underrated as a lyricist. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like Lupe, I don't know how many poems I got writing to Lupe. Like I, I got mm-hmm. I got tons of poems like really uh-huh. writing to Lupe, man. And um it's crazy, you know, so it, it's like Great minds, <laughs> great minds think alike, man. Like-minded people. So, oh, yeah. and also, of course, of course, the great Gil Scott Heron, for sure. No, uh, yeah, of course, him. I mean, he's got a CD called uh, "Winter in America" that is absolutely beautiful. And then, of course, he's got uh, "Small Talk" on 125th and Linux, which is mm-hmm. just the most classic, legendary. Because he's got the "Revolution Will Not Be Televised" poem on there, and a bunch of other amazing poems that I, one of my favorite ones on there is painted black where he just he just demonstrates he just shows you this poor like uh, new york family uh and uh at the end you know he says and then tell them how bad it is down south like like you know just 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 hit you know it's just like damn as bad as you have it just imagine living in these times down south, you know, so it's crazy, yeah. Yeah, that's. I mean, it's crazy. What 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 is the racial scene now in Nashville? Like, what's the temperature out there dealing with black folks? Um, you know, it's it's kind of has it has a, a relation to the uh, poem I have called "New Black." Like, you know, it uh. When I say hydro statues and both your flags, they've torn down, uh, taken down a couple of Confederate monuments here within the past five years. There used to be one on uh, I-65. Uh, uh, football field, like by, um, I think it was, uh, was it Ravenhood? Or no, I think it's Father Ryan. I'm, I don't want to own It's one of those, I think it was Father Ryan in that area. There was a Confederate monument up there, um, I believe, in uh, downtown Franklin. Now, I haven't been there in a long time. These are areas kind of outside the Nashville area. Because um, mostly in Nashville, you're not going to find too much actual Confederate symbols anymore. But it, there's there's a lot outside on the, on the outskirts of the greater Nashville area that they've got things up there. Of, some have been taken down, but some are still up there. But when it comes to the people, you know, you know, I want to say, I want to say, you know, it's really, it's. I do, I do poetry shows, you know, I do poetry shows in uh, off Church Street now. 
So like I'm in a like pretty much harder Nashville now. Nashville now. Um and I'm really starting to see something that's a little different, you know. And maybe it's just because I I'm just spending more time downtown, you know. I would say you would you you'll see more of those types of iniquities higher up you get into a spectrum um when it comes to you know uh the classes like upper class you know you get to you know those higher levels because when you get to the everyday people in Nashville I think it's more so people are just now starting to learn that there are things to appreciate about something that is different so when it comes to blacks now it's like now we're trying to get used to uh being allowed because i'd never be imagine being able to do shows downtown nashville at the nashville public library just even two or three years ago and really to get it pushed and get to get poetry accepted especially the type of poetry that we do you know um you know, it's, it's it's a surprise that we're here. So it's like you kind of try to keep your guard up, um, but you really see more just from in, uh, in the upper levels when you're trying to, you know, do work and do business. You understand that uh, there is that uh, glass ceiling you have to really bust through. But there's some, there's some, <laughs> there actually, there's this white couple that I know and they came through last to my last show. My man Billy H. He's a he's a former. I think he's like a retired preacher from New Orleans, and he has so many like civil rights stories and shit. That man, he went up there and just turned up. Uh, so I haven't been able to make you know a lot of newer friends. Like I have, like one thing that made me stop writing, you know, poetry because I, I went to, I went to a, like a little hiatus. You know, I kind of had this this view of of this disdain for any anything that wasn't me like i was always about me and i had a little scare i had a little fear of white people in middle school and so to see me now like yo i'm actually learning that there is like there is something that we can share here you know and if you can really find the ones that can see you as an actual human you know and then learn to appreciate what you what you and your culture can bring to the table that is that is uh, an amazing connection house um it's definitely going through a change i would say blacks are definitely able to have more uh power and influence now than and ever before because it used to be yes you no know, real rough yeah definitely now you said you said that you were you know what i'm saying you had this fear of white people when you were mm-hmm. young and i think a lot of black folks can resonate with that even though you know when you hear when you hear someone say yeah i was scared of white people you mm-hmm. would think oh like oh you afraid they're gonna beat you up but that's not the fear we're talking about it's that you know it's 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 that fear of what what they want you know what 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 they want to do you know so it's mm-hmm. like it's crazy that you would say that because i can admit myself you know white people 
when I was growing up as a kid, and it's and it's mainly the reason why I'm, I'm making mention of this is because it's mainly based on, you know, the trials and the trauma we've endured through this in this country from slavery, from the Jim Crow, from the redlining, from the the yeah. maiming, and it's, it's it's just a lot. And um, I think a lot of black people have that fear. I think a lot of black people have that fear. They would never admit it. But a lot of people have that fear, and I think a lot of black people suffer with that inferioritory type of complex when it's coming to white people. Like, I'll, I'll keep it real. I'll keep it a buck. You know, when I was a kid growing up, I thought all white people were rich. I thought yeah. like, just by default, all white people was just rich. They had money. And it wasn't until I got older and I started to understand that you no know, white people are more. There's more poor white people than there are poor black people. You know what I'm saying? There's exactly. more, there's more poor white people on welfare than there are black people. You know, so I was like, wow, it's crazy how you know you living up in a society where they can just you know shape and 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 just fashion your mind to believe what they want you to believe. You know, I don't know if you remember. I don't know how old are you, but back in the '80s. You know, I remember, I remember this vividly, like in the movies, in the movies, they would, they would like preview the next thing that they was, was, was planning to like, to ostracize. Like it was one point in time where it was the Russians, you know what I'm saying? It was like America against Russia, Russia is the Soviet mm-hmm. Union, this, uh, the, the war against communism and things of that yeah, nature. And yeah. all the movies would reflect that. All the movies reflect that, but I don't know if you remember in the 80s, like mid 80s, going into the 90s, it was a new type of of terror that 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 America was faced with. That was the 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 kamikaze Arab. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You start seeing seeing the movies reflecting that. Like every time they was going to fight somebody, it was going in Afghanistan, it was going to Iraq, it was going someplace in the Middle East to, to fight terrorism, you know, but they set it up through the movies. So we have, I mean, we have to be mindful of how powerful that, that, that power of suggestion is when dealing with the media, when dealing with these shows that they, they feed us, they force feed us. And it, it creates these type of, you know, insecurities in us, you know, and then when you go to the schools, they don't teach you about you. They give you a watered down whitewash, you know, version of what happened, you know? So it's crazy, man. I think a lot of black people, we have to come to terms with understanding the trauma that we've been through in this country. You know, it it affects us. And we have to be conscious enough to understand that we have to unlearn a lot of things that we learned, you know, growing up in this country, man. I mean, it's it's profound. And, and, And with the fact that we have the Internet now, you know, Google, you know, information has never been more readily available or accessible in our hands at our fingertips than now you know when i remember when i was growing up as a kid we we had a we had to go find uh, an encyclopedia or we had to go to the library we wanted to do a book report or something you know but we didn't have that oh i can just go and google type it up and i can get all the information i need and because mm-hmm. of that a lot of black people are becoming aware of history of american history you know what i'm saying of black history you know we have a very rich history as a people and a lot of black people are becoming aware of this you know and i think it's sparking good things in us you know it's sparking you know us to be you know proud of who we are and walk in that in that light so i mean it's it's profound man it's profound but i don't want to talk you to death because my 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 
you know, my audience, <laughs> uh, they definitely will email me and be like, yo, man, you didn't let Spoke spit. You know what I'm saying? You ain't spit one piece so far, so we got to we gotta get you to spitting. So let me set the stage up for you again, <clears> my <throat> brother, man. And uh, hit, us, hit us with another one of them dope pieces of yours, bro. So uh, let me set the stage up. Coming back to the stage, let's give a warm welcome to my brother and your brother, Spoke. Yes, 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 yes. Let's go on call. Uh, let's see. Uh, <clears throat> uh, this one, this one is uh, one of my favorites and uh, one of my friends like to a lot. Uh, it's a nice go-to. Um, it's called the Wilderness, and I kind of have fun with the Garden of Eden story. <clears throat> He made meals out of the human anatomy, particularly the female. Look, I'll spare you the details. See, he baffled me now. They say he's man, but he claims to be more so human in his nature. His wilderness dies from his very own vapors, forest burning down from the jungle fever. But the bush stays around. You know their fruits are eager. Some of the stranger ones like to swing low from a sweet chariot grown by a slave religion and her graves won't bury it. I swore I saw a harlot in the garden. She was trying to reason with the serpent of the season. Y'all know the one that came from Eden will peep this. In the evening, they both fooled man who came into even. She sprouted a serpent seed planted by a heathen that harlot went to put a weave in. She dug deep in the ground looking for the Indian tracks. Came across a hatchet that read Kane's name on the back, but to man, she just came across Ratchet. So, you know, I guess he tried to use her to fix his habits. But her words in chiropractic ain't no way that she could back it. Now the floors cannot flourish, and it's acting kind of horish. Everyone's pushing daisies, fornicating with the floors. The tulips are a mess. Damsels in distress. Man is a spawn, and he's fighting with his flesh. Poor boys. Funny that you did that piece because it really slipped my mind. I was gonna ask you to perform that piece. That was the first uh-huh. piece you spit on that joint, man. And uh, yo, you gotta break that piece down, man, because I found it. Yo, I found it crazy because you was like, yo, uh, I'm gonna spit this first piece, and uh, you know, being the fact that uh, I'm in the church, I'm gonna I'm gonna do a biblical piece. Yo. You spit that piece right there, man. Break that piece down for us, man. Because that piece right there got a lot of, it's a lot of jewels in that piece. But you keep it going. You keep it going. But break down that piece for the people real quick. Yo, you know, this is funny because I was trying to remember, like, when you played that that very first piece of mine, that intro, and I was thinking, like, damn, when did I do that one? (laughs) I was really like, what is that? Now, now when you say church, I'm like, okay, I got the vivid, I got the vivid memory of now where where it was. Yes, um, uh, the wilderness. You know that that poem is actually very, uh, very. I want to say very old, but I want to say I wrote that. I was probably probably like a sophomore in college when I wrote that. I want to say, and um, you know, I was really taking a lot of a lot of ideas that have been a lot of ideas and theories have um, been written about the Garden of Eden 
and that whole story um, and what really that what really what really went down and um, you know its relation to man and woman and then you have a uh, certain desire so um, you know I really essentially talking about man uh, and how he goes through about his sexual experiences, what he thinks it is to be a man. Um, and, uh, you know, and I like, I like how, um, I take, um, you know, uh, the Cain and Abel references and I talk about, uh, man's, uh, how basically like men, will destroy themselves and each other for a woman's satisfaction. Um, and then um, at the end, you know, learning how to overcome this kind of sensational ap appetite we have for women and then kind of connecting it to Genesis and seeing how that really went around, how those kind of uh, uh, relationships and, and ideals really came sprinkling down through the pedigree of the family, of the original family in the Bible. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's so crazy, it's so deep. Um, I had fun with it. That's a dope piece, man, because you got to be very, you know, you got to be well-versed in the Bible, you know it's coming from the Bible, but you made mention of a lot of things that a person have to be studious to know. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So I thought that was dope, man. I thought the metaphors you used was dope, and uh, that piece I, I was I was really caught in between what piece I wanted to open the show with. And when I heard that piece right there, I was like, "Yo, this piece is fire." You know what I'm saying? But it wasn't mm -hmm. like it wasn't like a pro church piece. It was a piece just like laying it down. And, and now that we know that it was dealing with, you know, men and his sexual appetites or his sexual, you know, explorations or whatever you want to call them, you know, it makes sense. And it's dope, man. That's a dope poem, man. It's a dope. Yeah, it's like it's like his deviancy, his deviancy, his deviance nature. And you go through. And you start hearing about, uh, you know, you know, stories like Ham's curse and shit, the way that Noah's acting and just even things about how active David is. Like, there's a lot of like, you know, one thing that's always been true. If you look, look throughout a lot of older texts and history, powerful men do a lot of nasty sexuals. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, they, they get at him, bro. Yeah. And it's just it's just how it is, you know. You know, whether you're whatever side of morality you're on, it's something that, like, you learn as a man. It's like the more uh, prominent you are and more power you have, it's like, yeah, you have more power, but it can be used in many self-detrimental ways. Mm -hmm. And then the effects it can have on your family and your bloodline and just... That shit can re cause real wars, like real, for right. real. So that's real, it's, man. It's really deep, and people don't think about that though. But that's real, though, man. I definitely appreciate that poem, man. I mean, yo, man, like po boys and poets, man. You gotta let us know, man. How can we? How can we support the movement? 
How can we support you directly? Like, what can we do? Where can we go to see some of your work? Do you have a SoundCloud? I meant to ask you. Um, I actually do. I have a SoundCloud. Uh, I haven't posted anything on it in a while, but I do have some, you know, poetry up there, and I've got over some music. Um, right now, uh, Poe Boys Reports, we have a website, uh, pbnpnash dot equid so e-c-e-w-i-d dot com and we have a lot of our merch just up there we are getting ready to uh, bring them to our next shows so we kind of throw them out there we've already got anthologies we've got two poets anthologies two collections um oh boys make noise volume one uh, make noise volume two and we hope to get started on the third one very soon um but you can go on my page on instagram spoken words 92 and you can just click the link to the po voice page and on that page there is the website where you can support us when it comes to our merch uh and uh just what we've got going here in nashville like i said earlier we have a uh we have two shows a month. We do second Thursday and fourth Thursday. Next show, I have our feature. My man, actually, I was talking about my man, Frizzy. He's going to be doing the feature in here at our show at the Copper Branch. Um, and then right now, we've got our second uh, Boys and Poets Cypher video that we're going to get ready to drop here. We're going to drop some little uh, uh, promos for that that we've got done. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a lot we got going on here. Just come to Nashville, man, and uh, get with the team. Most definitely, man. I de- yo, listen, if I'm ever in Nashville, I definitely got to touch one of y'all stages. But if you guys are ever coming to New York, if you ever, if you ever book New York, man, I'm definitely gonna be in the building. Man. Word. And you guys let me know, like, you definitely let me know when if you're gonna come to um New York. And I'll make it available, man. Really, I'll blast it on the show, you know, because I'll definitely be in the building, man. Because I, I definitely want to see you guys do y'all thing, man. You got a movement going on. You got some dope people coming out of Nashville. Like, you know what I mean? Jam, she was the first person, you know, really from Nashville that caught my attention the way that mm-hmm. she did. And um, I was like, damn, man, they got a little movement out here in Nashville. And uh, y'all doing y'all thing, bro. Like, for real, for real, man. Thank you. Like, I'm on the New York scene. You know, I'm on the New York poetry side of things And uh, they do it in New York, man But I really feel what y'all got going on And I'm really particularly feeling this group Po Boys and Poets, man Because, like, I see y'all all all over the gram And y'all doing y'all thing, man And uh, I can appreciate that So anything y'all got coming or going down You know, shoot me a text, man I definitely can plug it on the show You know what I'm saying? Get people prepared for it, man But... Bro, man, I appreciate you coming on the show, man, spending this time with me, man. But I, I can't let you go just yet, man, because <laughs> I got to get one more piece out of you, man. You know what I'm saying? Like, the dope people, the dope people, they can't come and spit, you know, just one or two pieces. It's a minimum of three pieces. Minimum, man. So, you know what I mean? I, I, I'm putting you in that dope category, man. So, I need you to bless us with one more piece, man, to, to take mm. us out, man. And, uh, you know what I'm saying? Let the people know, man. I mean, this brother right here, I mean, for real, y'all. Y'all got to get in tune with this brother, man. Like, go on Instagram and check out his page. You know, he got some stuff.
stuff up there, man. Check out his lives. Check out Poe Boys and Poets, man. They got a little movement going on, man, and it's real, real. For real, Nashville stand up. But uh, let me set the... Let me set the, the this. Cashville, nigga. That's right. <laughs> what we call it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Let me, let me set the stage up for you one last time, my brother, man. Coming back to the stage, you know, to spit his final piece, man. Let's give a warm welcome to my brother and your brother, Spoke. I'm back on here. Yes, sir. Keep it fast. All right. Um, you know, I'm gonna do this one. I ain't done this one in a long minute. Um, my man TJ, uh, who I'm, who I'm with, man, he's like the he's one of the he's like the behind the scenes dude. The Poe Boys, my man TJ, he, he personally told me this one is my favorite. So uh, I'm going to do this one for him, man. It's called a poor soul. You poor soul. Why can't you seem to fit in their shoes, those poor souls? Why do the rich seem to wear what the poor soul? You sip a taste shame. That's why you poor soul. Little still that cup runneth over. No need to pour soul. Let's just tilt the Big Dipper so it rains on the poor. So much till their faces fill with their pores. Oh no, even if they don't got your back like a Porsche dough, I'm just a thirsty poor soul who be pouring out his soul. Is it running too fast? Okay, I'll just pour it slow. Hey, space, they spoke. Why you always making it rain? Ain't that why you pour so? What's the point of being lit when it continues to pour? Yo, what's the point of put? Sorry, what's the point of putting on a? What's the point of acting out just to put on a poor show? Like, damn, I wish I had the strength at the poor show. You know them lost spirits. We be saving these poor souls. Losing religion just to find shoes for the poor souls. I couldn't stomach being starved. It was leaving my line in tours. So me and my homies couldn't afford no more. Had to sell our worthless poor souls. But for what? I don't know. Nothing too pivotal. Had to get some new Yeezy. Still couldn't stand on principle. Our pride had us left for dead rather than being fed. We used to be about that dough. Now it's like niggas too broke to break bread. I can't even believe the words I just said. Pay me no mind. I mean, this ain't no woe is me or a cry to help the poor you see or the ones you don't see. I mean, we be coming in peace, then pieces that you won't see, invisible as you drive by. So typical capitalism wakes up our American dream, so minuscule how we look for a Robin Hood while they steady robbing the hood and the suburbs. You can see how the income go from the low word to the upper. I mean, is this what the government or just how they choose to govern it? I mean, war on poverty be like war on sovereignty. I'm sorry. It just bothers me. Continue to drive by. But if you happen to see my sign fly right through your window, just know I did it for my kinfolk who sit outside your window with that needle trying not to give in. So while you brag about your president, it's becoming very evident that he don't give a shit. No, I don't care what you think. Matter of fact, raise your hand if you barely got half a tank. No, he ain't give a shit. Taking loans from the bank. They don't care what you think. Spending billions on these campaigns. We ain't saying a damn thing. And to your country, you complain, but you refuse to be the change. No, you don't give a shit. You poor soul. Po boys. Fire. 
fire, 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 man. You got me over here going crazy, man. Yo, hey, yo, man. forgive me, man. I kind of like I ain't did that one a long time. I kind of slipped up a little bit. Yo, <laughs> man, perfect. Yeah, that joy is official, bro. Yeah, the triple entendres, the, the alliteration. Like, mm-hmm. damn, man, that piece is fire, man. Yo. Bro, I really appreciate you coming through, man. Spending this time with me, man. Like, for real, for real. It means a lot to me, man. Yo, you welcome to come on the show anytime. Anytime you got some new products or anything you want to try to get out to the people, man, mm-hmm. please, my brother, don't hesitate. Hit me up, man. I'll definitely plug it. Definitely have you back on the show, my brother. Like, for real, man. Let's give it one more round of applause for my brother Spoke, man. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Fire. Hey, yo, I just wanted to, I wanted to do one, one more thing, man. This is just something that's like part of the tradition of folk boys. We got a chant. You know, it's real simple, man. I'll just be like, po boys, then you do, you go make noise. We do that three times and we can get out of here. All right, bet. Let's get it. All right. Po boys, make noise. Po boys, make noise. Po boys, make noise. Damn right we do. <laughs> uh, that's what it is, man. I appreciate you, King, man. Thank you, man. Thank you for coming through, man. You know, one love. One love, bro. Let me, hey, one love to you, Poetic Black. Most- yeah, you keep it going, man. I love what you do, too. Thank you, King. I appreciate it, man. Now, this is the time where I, I talk to my audience. I want to leave them with something inspirational before we leave. So I need you. If you hear the sound of my voice... I need you to get in tune for a couple of seconds. Get in tune to the sound of my voice. Family, I need you to understand that this grind is an everyday grind. 